0: Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fox to give about actor Dennis Quaid. I'm your host, Sarah D Bunting, and I'm rating and reviewing every single audiovisual property in which Dennis Quaid has ever appeared. We're in the home stretch of Quaid in Full's first season with 1979's Amateur Night at the Dixie Bar and Grill, a TV movie whose title and roster of noteworthy co-stars is almost as long as the movie itself. The plot of Amateur Night at the Dixie Barn Grill is pretty much right in the name, but just in case, let's go to the IMDb's official summary. Quote, The crises, incidents, and interactions among the employees, patrons, and contestants of a country western bar's regularly scheduled talent show. End quote. This is not a story I would seek out, nor is it one I particularly looked forward to, not after I saw that Joel Schumacher had written and directed, but the thing really moves. We're immediately in the thick of it at the Dixie in the beginning as owners Victor French, that's Isaiah Edwards on Little House on the Prairie, and Hey, It's That Pinched Mom, Louise Latham, debate whether they should even have had an amateur night, and the acts and regulars start streaming in out of the pouring rain, including Ed Begley Jr. is a stand-up comic whose act gets really dark when he talks about his time in Vietnam, Pat Ast, prepping a Sinatra medley, Jamie Farr is the slick manager of a singer, Doreen, with a ton of star power, but no talent. And Doreen is played with predictable broad brio by Raz Pinky Tuscadero Kelly. And her entrance, while wearing a cosmetic mask, is actually not unfunny. This sequence is also shot interestingly. Much of the best material is throwaway lines with the speakers off screen. As for said speakers, overall the movie has an ear for what it's like backstage so far off Broadway that you're practically on a barge in the Hudson, including how the personnel are with each other and their crafts. I wouldn't call this film progressive about LGBTQ plus representation in the arts, but the one drag artist in the lineup, A, gets a supportive and positive response from the crowd and B gets to tell off the bigoted MC after one too many wisecracks. He's not going to get nominated for a GLAAD award or anything, but for 1979, it's not terrible. Also not terrible, Don Johnson is also in this as a local schnorrer slash good-time Charlie named Cowboy. And while I assumed, based on his mid-80s vanity project Heartbeat, that Johnson would be taking the stage here, he doesn't. He is, however, trying to drink for free while remaining willfully oblivious to one waitress's cow-eyed crush on him. And Real Housewives' uber-completists, take note, a tween Kyle Richards is also an Amateur Night at the Dixie Bar and Grill as the youngest third of a squabbly sister act. Here she is trying to bond with Tanya Tucker over a Luton's. Tanya Tucker's character suffers stage fright so bad she walks away from the mic in her show slot without singing a note. Not sure I would have recognized Ms. Richards without the IMDb's assistance, but once you know it's her, there's no mistaking it. She even does a couple of all-too-familiar hair flips as she helps Tanya Tucker gather her self-esteem for another run at the Amateur Night Prize, with a little help from the owner's son, Roy, played by one Dennis Quaid. Quaid first appears on screen, escorted by the local constabulary, who's busted him for possession of wacky tobacco, which is how we find out there's some father-son generation gap agita going on. We find out later that dad only went along with the amateur night idea to give roy a showcase but when roy gives up his spot so tanya tucker can have another chance she wins the contest dad is even prouder than he would have been if roy had blah 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 happy endings, cakes so yes everything basically turns out okay in the end for everyone spoiler even for the lovesick waitress and sunny crockett despite a runner about a disco killer mass shooter who's been attacking night spots in the area in alphabetical order, but who never shows up at the Dixie even though a D name is next on his list. That overall upbeat tone is a major departure from the film that's pretty clearly Amateur Night's guiding creative force, Nashville. And I thought maybe it was just me who drew the comparison, especially since Nashville's Henry Gibson is in this, too, as the judge of the talent contest. But the only other written review of Amateur Night that I found also mentioned Nashville. Here's Richard Winters from the Scopophilia blog, bemoaning the fact that Amateur Night, quote, seems way too similar to Robert Altman's Nashville to be considered original. Clearly that film was this movie's inspiration, and this one does not go far enough with the concept and would have been better had its runtime been extended and the characters more fleshed out. Certain actors, such as Don Johnson and Candy Clark, are underused, and there's not enough of an understanding of the town that the bar was in. End quote. That's more or less a fair critique. Some of the ways the movie is physically put together are very reminiscent of Altman. Overlapping sound that forces you to receive story on more than one channel, a tracking shot through the bar that both reinforces and tries to interrogate the various relationships in the room, And I suppose I should look more askance on that than I do. But Schumacher took the aspects of Nashville that would work for a 90-minute TV flick and refashioned them into something that is, yes, a shallower treatment of this town and this night in it than you would get from an Altman feature. But for a January make-work project for various sitcom has-beens and bland blonde never weres it's actually not a bad time. Pat Ass should have won that contest, though. Amateur night at the Dixie bar and grill is unnecessary and derivative, but also agreeably watchable. While I can almost guarantee you won't just stumble across it, you can check it out for free on YouTube. Link will be in the show notes. Winters gave it a six out of 10 on Scopophilia, and that's about right. So I'm going to do the same. Now, how quaidy is it? The character of Roy is barely over a single dimension. Small town guy with big dreams who's chafing at the old ways. That said, he doesn't overplay what he does get to do, and Roy isn't a brat, he's just searching, though the script doesn't really have time to explore that in any kind of new way. Mostly, Roy's there to help Tanya Tucker fulfill her destiny. know about beautiful. Quaid has one of those singing voices that I think is perfectly suited to country music, though. To wit, it's nothing to write home about necessarily, but it's good enough to not get in the way. That plus a natural Texas accent is sometimes all you need, and he sure looks happy when he takes the stage with his guitar. Quaid's acting is fine. His musicianship is fine, I think. He's not miscast. But that trademark fratty, naughty thing is not really present. He looks very cute even in a crappy vhs rip put up on youtube with tracking issues but i can still only give this a two and a half but it's about to get Quaidy as hell up in here for the season finale when i'm going to queue up what i consider quade's breakthrough breaking away in the meantime check out the show notes for links to the film and richard winters's review and follow the podcast on Twitter at QuaidInFullPod, where you can let me know how you'd have scored the Amateur Night Acts. Wondering where your favorite Quaid joint is in the queue or want to advertise on a specific episode? DMs are open. Quaid in Full is written, edited, and hosted by me, Sarah D. Bunting. Don't subscribe yet? Ooh, that's terrible. Was that an accident? Throw me a sub wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review Quaid in Full so other people can find it. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next time. Oh, you're a real adult, aren't you?